What did you think of particularly the trail of the Aga? What do you think of the? What did you? Th- let's call them uh, what the, the Dora Milaje? Should we just call them that? So she know how to pronounce it. Exactly, because that was something that actually meant. That's why all of this is just it's a lot of um, it's mixed to be to put it kind. It's been mixed reception wise. Like to be awoke is to be woke is to be aware of what is around you. The sufferings of others are included in that. How your actions affect other people are included in being woke. We got some some, some we got grandma over here undercutting the parents. That's what we got. <laughs> Grandma was sitting down here the fuck up. <laughs> she, she was telling all the mamas when I left, man. Know. She was in a good mood. Uh, Grandma was. Yeah, Grandma was. Grandma, Grandma That's basically, food. isn't that how grandparents are history? Like, eh, my kids, let me, let me be wild. But it also has given places where we can actually utilize it for journalism. We can use it for protest. We can use it to be able to get ideas to kind of, uh, kind of coagulate a little bit better. <sighs> Y'all, welcome to the yeah. stream. Welcome to the stream. Welcome to the motherfucking stream. I want to say big shout outs to the people who created Zoom. Uh, for some reason, it started doing this like updated and this transfer process, and it just kept transferring, transferring. I, I just like I think because of the fact that I was actually at the end of my SD card and decided, oh, you got to add a little bit of space. Let's do something. <laughs> so. With that, uh, I appreciate everybody joining the stream on this late night, early after evening over there in the, on the West Coast. And um, thanks a lot. Uh, my name is Sister Williams. Welcome to the motherfucking historical voices from the East Side. Let's give a round of applause for the group right here. Oh. Thanks, Tammy. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, Tammy. Filled <laughs> up the spot. You must have listened. Tammy listened to the show just one time. She knew what what the sound was supposed to be. She understood the assignment. Yeah, she understood the assignment. So with that, um, it's so long we've been waiting to go on. So you know. Yeah, he finished up the drink. With that, my name, my name is History Williams, and uh, right down below, that is our normal actual co-host over there. He is. The voice of reason. He's the guy that helps us be able to put some shit together and make us feel better about our week. This is Jonathan, aka JT, the voice, Jonathan Thompson. Give him a round of applause. Round of applause, everybody. What's my motherfucking name? Oh. <laughs> Whoa, you just oh. said it. You just said it. It's right J- here. JT. JT. Fair enough. Now, with that, we do have an extra. Different person right over here. Uh, she is replacing uh, Jamel for the week. He's on vacation, giving out, uh, excuse me, so sorry. He's uh, celebrating the graduation of his niece. Big shout out to Jamel, man, and the uh, actual uh, Watson family over there. But we can't talk less about this artist, our correspondent for uh, our podcast called. Fuck around and find out with his there local voices from the east side. <laughs> yes, with that, big shout out to our person, <laughs> yeah. Garrett. 
Hi, uh, my name is Tamala. Hi, I'm Tamala. Everybody calls me Tam Tam. I'm an artist and activist from the Pacific Northwest. Yes. And uh, my husband and I are doing a podcast talking about crazy shit we are looking at. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Talk about FAFO. Yes. Uh, subject near and dear to us. I can't wait to. I can't wait till it comes out, man. I can't wait till. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. Yes, I really, I really <laughs> want to talk about this. Movie. Uh, I was telling JT, man, it's, it's really? a, we we've had a really good job at having a trifecta of being a council, so it felt like it was pretty good since we got this person who is doing politics and social issues uh, po uh, podcast coming out soon. Uh, might as well have the person fucking do a movie that has to do with politics and social issues. So, uh, well, it's a human rights issue, yeah, right? So with that, man, this is a great way to open up our actual appreciation month for 40 Acres in the Mule, a.k.a. Mr. Spike Lee himself. He is our Velvet Freight train of the mother <laughs> Just hands down. <laughs> well, yeah, for June. Oh, well, hands down. I got, I got to say that. Just... Fucking June, man. He, he's our actual Bella Fresh movie uh, for the month of June, man. He, he's that guy. This is this is him. So with that, man, uh, we want to start off talking about. Uh, oh, there you go. Boom. Here is our actual video for him. Oh, wrong one. I'm I'm gonna make a drink, and I'm gonna take a drink every time you say the word actual. I'll be right back. Uh, I'm going to take a drink, man. But with that, man, um, this week we are actually focusing on the homie, the Velvet Freight Train of the Week, which is Spike Lee. He's an actor, director, producer, and he officially got some award nomination for our movie that we're going to be uh, reviewing later. He's the guy that told us one time to do the right thing. He's the person that got kicked out of the garden uh, for Nick's because of the fact that he wanted to fight the security. He is the man of the hour. He gave us our actual biography of Malcolm X with Denzel Washington. He's told us many things. He's even given us uh, the film Love and Basketball, which we joked about on many occasions on how my man fucking Q yanked on Sonata and said, fuck your heart. With that, yeah. I, <laughs> I want to give a big shout out to the guy that said a girl had to have it. <laughs> he, he called a bunch of people cooklets. He came up with his own word, y'all. I'm telling you, this is the guy. This is the man. We have to pay some mind to uh, my man's motherfucking like, Oh my God, I can't say too much more than Sp uh, Spike Lee. He's like NAACP Image Award winner, so many different things, man. Our Velvet Free Trainer of the Week. I, he's actually alive. Our very first two were not so good, um, but they were still legendary in it. <laughs> their whole mindset. So, with that, big shout outs to Spike Lee. We wanted to actually celebrate this month as our Velvet Free Train, uh, Velvet Free Train for the month. Uh, Mr. Spike Lee. Big shout out to that guy, man. Big shout out to that fucking guy. It is so worth it doing this. Um, with that, uh, JT. So tell me this, man, and uh, Tammy. What is your memory and what is your like uh, positive experience with the guy uh, Spike Lee? Ha has he done anything for you? Has anything like jumped to your? No, I've uh, never met the guy. Well, you know that. I, I, mean, I, I don't it. know I him it. personally. I get <laughs> no. that. I definitely get that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that. 
Um, so what I mean by that is that like, um, what is a memory that jumped out to you? Because I felt like I grew up with Spike Lee. I felt yeah. like I, I've had him kind of my cousin at the family reunion sometimes because of the fact uh, of how much product, projects he did and how much he, he's been kind of associated with. They used to run Spike Lee thing movies. Was a Oh, I'm sorry. They used to run Spike Lee movies on Fox on Saturday afternoons. Yes. So after I got yes. done with the cartoons, I would sit there and, I, you know, little eight year old me mm -hmm. would start watching Do the Right Thing or something that they would put on yeah. and heavily edit, you know, all the language out of to yeah. put on network TV. Yeah. Uh, so we had a big old antenna. We got this stuff out of, like, I don't know, South Bend or whatever. So, like, when, when Fox 17, the, the Grand Rapids Fox, uh, was acting up. Yes. We would go over to the Fox from Fox 28 out of South Bend. Yes. And then we would be able to watch more stuff. And so, you know, sometimes if I like something, I like the episode, I just go watch it again. Yes. But uh honestly, that that was that was like a a treat being able to kind of transfer over to his movies and stuff. And so, you know, trying to trying to watch Boys in the Hood or something like that is just what with these edits, y'all, just forget about it. Just go rent a DVD. Yeah, I would I would definitely recommend that man. Just go fucking do that. Uh, I'll tell you about my minds after that. Tammy, what what about you? Um, so I didn't get into Spike Lee until like a little late in the well, early two thousands, like two thousand six. Um, my dad really liked the movie Inside Man for some reason. I I thought it was a pretty. <laughs> that was movie. the first Spike Lee movie I saw in theaters. Oh, God. oh, really? Are you serious? <laughs> oh. I thought it would have been a hit if he would have just made it PG-13 and take out all the swearing. Yeah. Oh. But he done, he uh, dug himself in a, in a corner with that R rating, and it was... Yeah. Um, my dad really enjoyed that movie, and uh, it was something that we talked about to a, a great extent, and uh, Do the Right Thing is a movie that came out sooner, but I saw much, much later. Um, and then it's, it, it was a very, I love that he talks about the black experience in a way that's not only like very real, very provocative, but also digestible if you're in, in the right place to receive that, um, experience, you know what I mean? Yep. So like, if you're ripping the realities of what the black community lives with and, and the things that we experience, then those movies are the right movies for you because you're either living that experience or you have the skill of empathy to receive that experience, if that makes mm. sense. Mm. Yes. I like how you put that. So Empathy is a skill. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, one of the problems that we have in this world is tainted empathy. And so when yes. you when you look at somebody else's trauma, people who are not mature, they take that trauma in as their own. And so now mm, they're walking yeah. around thinking that they're being empathetic. In reality, they are inflicting wounds on themselves so they can sympathize properly. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's centering yourself in a trauma uh, because that's the only way you know how to relate to other people. And that shows a weakness in your skill of empathy. I, I talk to people about this a lot in uh, protesting and, and social circles where people are like deconstructing their, uh, we'll say privilege, but deconstructing a lot of things. <laughs> gotcha. Man. So my experience with Spike Lee was a little bit different, man. Um, my very first Spike Lee movie that I can remember in theaters, it's kind of fucking hilarious. It's yeah. Girl 6. 
<laughs> if you know anything about Girl 6, it's about this woman who becomes a phone sex worker. <laughs> now, this movie came out 1996 now. <laughs> this is the movie I see the things in the 90s. I love parenting back in those times. Parents was like, man, you know what? Friday, it don't matter. You know, Felicia, Felicia is a crackhead. We don't, we don't say that she's a crackhead, but really she's not a crackhead. You know what I mean? We're gonna we're gonna just be okay with a lot of these other things. My parents, my parents was like Mortal Kombat. They believe it's okay. It's it's all right. You know I mean? So I Girl Six is the first movie, but the move the first movie that I remember seeing for Spike Lee is actually get on the bus. That was actually a VHS uh, test, uh, VHS tape that I actually watched with my grandmother. And it's about a bunch of different types of men going to uh, the Million Man March. Now, the whole purpose of the film was supposed to be able to explain from different perspectives of like blackness, from different male perspectives. So you had your old head, you had the guy who was the radical and so on, and the business professional and so on and so forth. <laughs> if you ever get a chance, I would, I would argue, I know that people talk about uh, do the right thing. That movie right there, I would say that his is maybe his second best movie. A lot of people talk about uh, he got game and um, she's got to have it, Crooklyn, Mo' Better Blues, and all the rest of that stuff. I think that you missed out if you ha if you don't watch something and actually have a digestible film about like something to learn from. And that definitely kind of hits a little bit different from uh, when you get on the bus. Um, but I just felt like he was cousin, man. I felt like he was cousin. I felt like he was inside the house and Lil Red was just trying to show us another picture show. So, um, speaking of picture shows, man, we had a bunch of fucking movies being announced and we got one speedy ass red dude coming out soon with his movie and it's looking like it's good. Uh, JT, are you going to go see The Flash? <laughs> Am I going to pay money for it? No. No. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The best form of protest is withholding your dough. That's all. Yes. That's right. That's right. Uh, Valid. So I, I am very choosy with these movies. Like, for instance, I'm going to go watch Across the Spider Verse. I'm going to go pay money to go see that movie. Correct. Because Ezra Miller and all that shit. No, we can't put no money to that. No. Can, yeah. I, can I be that one's, perfectly that one's open? Going, and that one's gonna be on the home box office when it comes out. Agreed. Even I though it's what... HBO is gone now. It's just Max. <laughs> Go ahead. What I have... Oh yeah, no, I don't don't know what Ezra Miller did. I didn't like deep dive into it, but everybody keeps making jokes about it where they begin to explain it and then it cuts out and then it'll be like, we're experiencing technical difficulties. And then it'll jump back in and be like, Ezra Miller is a monster. That's all you need to know, man. He's a, he's a monster, bro. I joke, I joke like this because of the fact that, and uh, which, by the way, happy Pride Month to everybody because this is June. <laughs> but as a, I, I consider myself an ally as a person that also is involved in the community um, on a part-time <laughs> basis. Uh, with that, uh, <laughs> I think that it's funny because, like, when you do something so disrespectful, I feel like you get lost on your your, your pronoun choices. I don't know. <laughs> the shit that this person was doing, oh, my God. It's it's wild. Like, showing kids guns and kidnapping and 
and then oh, no. uh, and then oh, attacking no. police officers. He wild out in Hawaii, like all, all this person. They they them was acting like they were in the movie them. <laughs> so uh, if you ever see the TV show them, they was wild at them. So horrible. I mean, it was a great show, but it was yeah. horrible. It was horrible. Like it was a different Sarah experience. Just the entirety of episode five. Yes. <gasps> Hello, floor oh baby. God. Oh my god! What that? Oh. Uh... Do, do they know I love them? Do they know? Uh, I, I, JT is showing his fucking cat right now. This is not true. Shut up, Jesus. Jesus. Oh. For the people who are listening to this via audio, oh my god, I'm so sorry. There you go. It is not- Let me describe to you in great detail through ASMR what this cat looks like. All <laughs> <laughs> floor didn't boy. Think that was such a good idea. She was like, "We out, we out, we out." Thanks, friend. <laughs> oh, um, okay, I hate you now. <laughs> so now, actually, you brought up the next one, JT. Uh, how do you feel about the new Spider Verse movie? They just did a premiere for it last night. Uh, well, today, um, and it seemed like it's coming to like pretty decent reviews as well. Do you feel like this is actually going to be need to be the new direction of Marvel, especially with the situation with um, Jonathan Thompson? I'm not Jonathan Thompson. Jonathan Majors. And, <laughs> you got that right. My situation is going big. <laughs> yes, y'all, Jonathan's are fucking up out there, man. Look, <laughs> so look, look. I ain't fucking up yet, but I'm about to go out there and do something big. So who? Hey, fair yeah. enough. Um, I'm under my celebrity drama. <laughs> yes. So, listen, uh, I, I just jump in right here. I really don't think that Jonathan Majors is anywhere close to Ezra Miller. Okay. And so, if DC okay. was just like, well, we know he's good abusing people physically and emotionally, but you'll not be thinking he hates somebody. He, he might as well. He might as well. Like the it. shit that. All right. Hold up. I mean, okay. <laughs> All right, you know what? Ezra Miller, I'm a- Listen, listen. So across the Spider-Verse, my wife yes. just got done seeing this film. She's very excited to go watch it again. All right. So we gonna go we're gonna go see that because these movies are quality. One of these one of the reasons these movies are quality is because they're in a medium that allows them to break norms. So they can go out and do whatever they want. That used to be what superhero movies did. They would try to go out and push the special effects, push the story, push the narrative way of telling how to be a badass with powers, how great power begets great responsibility. We don't get that anymore. We get summer blockbuster, basic mixture, you know, same formula, copy, cat. How many, how many of these movies can you copy and paste? You know, no the hero does that and goes there and, and this person they love is affected. And and the, the thing that made a, a superhero movie special is it can only be them that can fix it, that can save the day because of their right. little special responsibility. Not because they was in the right place at the right time, but and not because of some little cheap tweak. You know, oh, we had this one tweak, this movie. Nah, nah, I'm tired of these MacGuffins. So I'm excited to, to dip into Across the Spider-Verse because we all know Into the Spider-Verse was one of the dopest outings of Spider-Man, period. It really yeah. put to shame some of the other Spider-Man movies that have, that have been released in the past memory. But um, and th- the reason they did it is because they found different ways to show how to be Spider-Man. Yes. And that really matters. Uh, and so what we haven't seen is we haven't seen, for instance, different ways to be Thor. You know what I mean? Thor, Thor is a hoe. Thor is useless. Ooh. Thor sucks. 
And, you know, oh, oh, he forgot he was the god of thunder. What a dumbass. Get out of here. And all that is is shitty writing by directors who don't understand or respect the superhero material it comes from. So I want to encourage anybody who's going to make a superhero movie to make faithful adaptations. That is that is what I argue with so much about people. But I'm going to rant about that later on during the, the voice of reason. There is, there is a uh, Miles Morales comic where he does, he is Thor. And it is cringe as hell. He says, <laughs> by Odin's fade? I want to find the writer. I just want to talk. And I hope he speaks sign language. <laughs> because Miles can't grow a beard? Is that what that no, is? No, it was just like he kept saying all these like hip slang lingo that was clearly not written by a person of culture. And they just kind of like shoehorned him <laughs> into Norse no, mythology. No, Tammy, I just saw the writer's room in my head, girl. They asked the one black guy, is this okay? And he was like, hey, is yeah, this funny? I, 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 is this I'm working here. I, what are you He's doing? Like, I'm writing for She-Hulk oh. right now. Yes, it's fine. Whatever. And they just I oh, it's right. I we got a stamp you. of approval from Token. Let's go. That's like when the, uh the I, one black writer in that room died of caffeine overdose at least 36 hours before they asked him that question. <laughs> but um that's kind of like um and I know that y'all don't watch wrestling, but like this is actually a perfect analogy. This man used to write every single like letter to the T for each wrestler, for the promotions. He had this guy whose name is Roman Reigns, basically this Samoan six foot seven dude who's supposed to be like this powerhouse wrestler. He made this man go on a microphone right across from John Cena and say, suffer and succotash. Why? Why? With a straight this, face? With a straight fucking face. He, he was suffering. Suffer, suffer he said it like that, bro. I said, I dog, I said, wrestling gone. I stopped watching Raw. I stopped watching SmackDown. I stopped watching. After suffering, suffering times, I was like, bro, this man, this man has to go. He has to, he has to go. Somebody get an allegation on him quick and coincidentally, like I got a year too late. That, that 1950s ass mentality that he grew up bro. in. That's the problem. That's why his ass need to go. I know. Yes. <laughs> His Bruh. Facebook page is just covered in Bugs Bunny memes. I just know it. <laughs> oh my God. Suffer succotash. I haven't watched so. I haven't watched WWE in so long, but Rhea Ripley is all over every one of my social media timelines. No, we ain't even talking about that. that. I, this is, and JT will remind us this is not that podcast. We were in the podcast. No, you <laughs> talk about all the, the LGBT things Rhea Ripley can do to me like another day. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So here's a list of here's a list of things. It, as per you can see on uh, Wikipedia, Ezra Miller in twenty uh, June 28, 2011, in the midst of filming per, uh, perks of being a wallflower, Miller was a, a passenger in a vehicle that was pulled over in Pittsburgh for a broken brake light. Police discovered twenty grams of Miller, uh, marijuana in Miller's uh, possession. The actor was initially charged with drug possession, but the charge was later dropped by a judge. And now, the next one. This is the big one. Strangling incident. April 6, 2020. A video surfaced in since deleted tweet that appeared to show Miller strangling a woman and throwing her to the ground. The video was confirmed by Variety to have been placed at some place, a bar in Rakovic's Iceland. It's, a, it's an Icelandic name. 
Um, it's a place that he's commonly have gone to. This is 20, uh, 2020. The shit that he's done happened in the midst of two years. In September 2022, a representative for Miller claimed that the strangulation was a spontaneous reaction spurred a group of teenagers taunting Miller over Miller mixed martial arts skills. So he got pissed because he couldn't fight. So he choked a woman because some teenagers pwned him. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And that he did not strangle the woman but went at her collarbone. No offense. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm, I got a master's degree in communications, but I can definitely tell you verbatim that your collarbone is right there close to your neck. <laughs> so, okay. so what, what is it? What are you, what are you choking, bro? How you choking? How you choking the collarbone? I'm just throwing it out there. You're strangling somebody. So with that, Hawaii arrest, March 28, 2022, Miller was arrested in Hawaii following what police said was a physical altercation with a patron after having hurled, hurled obscenities at the customers at a karaoke bar. He's pissed at a karaoke bar, man. For what? What did they actually do to him? Uh, he was he was charged with disorderly conduct. Miller uh, later claimed that they became enraged after being accosted by a Nazi. What? During the arrest, uh, Miller claimed that they were being unlawfully per uh, persecuted and after members of the police misgendered them, accused the officers of intentionally committing a hate crime. So not only did he was like, man, I'm gonna fuck shit up, but I'm gonna blame y'all for making me fuck shit up. Like, <laughs> that's that's some disrespectful ass shit, bro. Uh, three, weeks three weeks later, Miller was again taken into custody for second degree assault by uh, an estate company and subdivision police authorities in uh, Hawaii. According to Midi Libre, they were arrested for throwing a chair, which hit a 26-year-old woman and left a uh, half an inch cut on her forehead after being told to leave during a private get-together. Miller was arrested 20 minutes after the attack during a traffic stop. That This happened next, just hours after the second arrest. <laughs> so he got arrested, got released, and then fucked up 20 minutes after the fact. <laughs> Miller pleaded no contest to the karaoke incident and was fined five hundred dollars for disorderly conduct. So a big cut on your head is worth five hundred dollars, y'all. Relationship with the <laughs> bro, there's uh, harassment. That's, yeah, go ahead. That's enough, bro. We got to move on to this bruh, movie, man. Bruh, the story Miller. is Ezra Miller crazy, and did, why would okay. you want to spend money on that? Yeah. That's, that's the don't speak type of crazy, y'all. Yeah. Sorry, excuse me. Did they eat somebody? Is no. it like within those realms? I'm gonna no. just look it up later. We I, don't I, know I can't, for my certain. curiosity is peaked and I hate it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cannibal? Cannibal? So there's <laughs> a there's an allegation that he kidnapped people and he basically was like forcing them to like, yeah. It was some it was some wild shit. As a remember, they them, congratulations on your life. You will never be the Velvet Freight Train ever on this podcast. So with that, uh let's move on to some other like uh kind of cool news that actually happened this week. Uh JT, what do you have for us this week, man? The cool news, the 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 uh the clip there. I think that's gotcha. so tell us about that clip real fast into our movie. Gotcha. So tell us, tell us about that clip real fast. Before we this clip is, is essentially a cell phone by a Republican senator. Okay, gotcha. All right. 
and I'm going to play that thing full screen. Let me know if you can uh, you can hear because I've been having issues with that sound. Actually, I should have some sound off. I'm going to read exactly what this That's book good. says. You guys might find it interesting. A long time ago, way before you were born, a group of white people made up an idea I love called this. race. They sorted people by skin color and said that white people were better, smarter, prettier, and they deserved more than everybody else. This would be taught if we socialize our pre-K system, this would be tough. Do you disagree with that findings in the book? A thousand percent. How no. about we teach Jesus loves me? How about, how about this? In teaching Jesus loves, loves the little children, the lyrics go red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in our sight. Now, which one would you think would be better? I'll ask everybody on the panel, which is better to teach? This, that is a, a story that was made up to teach our kids three-year-olds who have no idea what race is, now all of a sudden is being taught that white people said this as a truth. Someone pointed me that this being a truth, that white people developed race. First, it is important that we teach Jesus. And Absolutely. Jesus is what we teach. So which one is but better? But reality is. So do you think this is Could the Could you answer the question, please? Now, I don't want reality. I'm asking the question, which one is better? That is exactly, that's exactly what it is. Dog, shut that shit. Wait, wait, dog, we gotta stop. We want to stop this right there, dog. We want to shut that shit. No, no, got it on tape. tape. Dog, that's what the last report was. was. Got, got it on tape. tape. Oh my god. He was. They were so. He was so interested in being right, dog, that he just forgot what's the story supposed to be about? <laughs> like, what, what's the case supposed to be about? Oh. Um, yeah. So, JT, uh, so what brought you What brought you to, like, send us well, that? I, I love Bernie Sanders' little smooth transition over there. Like, do you disagree with any yeah. of that? You yeah. will not interrupt A thousand percent yes. Let her finish the question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He was just sitting over there trying to be useful. But the funny thing was, like, he set him up. Do you disagree with this? Yes, I disagree with that. So explain eugenics. God. Yeah, no. <sighs> and that's that's the problem right there is he does not know that eugenics is the founding of these ideas, you know, of, yeah. of Caucasian, you know, mongoloid, Negro. And these these bullshit terms are made up by somebody who was trying to prove he was better than everybody else. And something that I uh, I talk about a lot with, with people at these protests and, and social gatherings is uh, I'll have white mothers approach me and they'll say, without traumatizing my kids, how can I teach them about race in a way that's intellectually honest? And I'll tell them, black children learn about race the second they leave their parents' sight. So, like, mm. reconvene with that, Man. you know, make peace with that and get talking, like, as soon as you can. The, the second my mom took her eyes off me, I learned I was black, you know what I'm saying? Like, I might have had a white mom, but everybody else perceived me as black. And it's, it's the same deal for white children, but they're having a different experience. Uh, and that guy is clearly somebody who's never had an experience outside of himself or heard an experience outside of himself. 
And now he's in a room confronted with that and he's getting defensive. He's He would rather deny reality and accept the dirty pain than just be like, okay, people have different opinions than me that are rooted in facts. And the, the messed up part is he got Jesus loves little children's lyrics wrong. They're all precious in our sight because he thinks it's about him. Right. So you, you can just I tell where his that. mindset is and he lets it slip based off of the context of these words. He if does you not know the what difference color between... Jesus was, Hmm? If you would have asked him what color Jesus was, he would have lost his mind. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a good follow-up question. Yeah, he's, uh, he's sitting over here talking about Jesus loves the little children. Dog, like, did he, I? When I first watched so the like, video, I thought to myself, I bet he didn't read the rest of the book. <laughs> Somebody showed him this page, and that's why he got some sticky. But that's why they got the gave him sticky notes in that mug. These are the offensive ones. That's, that's what uh, I was about to say. It looks like he did not read a book. And that's what's funny because you have these people that's like, I love when I see like TV shows and a talk show host be like, I read the book. It's like, seriously, you read all four, 500 pages in a day. Because <laughs> I know that you do like the daily show every fucking day, right? You, you do the late night TV show every day. And you say that you read the book. When do you have time to do everything else? Mm. So um, you know that there's somebody that was giving cliff notes. I, and I, I don't think it's just conservative. People. I think it's liberal people. I think it's just anybody that real, realistically just say, hey, I see this passage right here. And it's kind of, I don't think that people realize, like how he took that piece of that book is how people take context when it comes to clips for like audio from like video, uh, like interviews and shit like that. You basically took like two pages out of a chapter book and you say you know what i know what this is about done drop the mic <laughs> it's all over and that's what he did he just was like it's game of liberals. <laughs> liberal liberal shit just over but what's up man what you what you, what you looking at hey, cat came up in this mug just opened the closet walked up in that mug like she, like she had something to get man you, you got them <laughs> Right. You let that shit happen, homie. That's that's your lifestyle. That's that's, that's your that's your respect. Right. So, what you know about this? <laughs> but it goes into. Uh, I think that this kind of helps. Uh, one of the things that we were supposed to review. So, if you are kids continuing to watch the show, I would definitely recommend watch the show. Um, in June, we're gonna be switching over to just doing YouTube. No, no more Twitch. Uh, but we're gonna do just uh, YouTube. I will put the li uh, link up for actual YouTube as well. And um, but if you follow us in. Um, September on YouTube, we're going to be doing uh, TV shows for the fall as well, and kind of going to give a small review on one of our TV, show, uh, TV shows, which is South Park. It takes place usually fall and winter, so, <laughs> uh, but it kind of relates to this because these guys uh, constantly do political satire and social issues, kind of like feed it in some different way inside of there. So I'm going to ask you, JT. Uh, we, uh, I'm sorry, Tammy, let's go with that. Um, okay. What was your first thought when you watched the, the actual episode, season uh, 11, episode one episode of South one. Park? Yes. The very first time I saw it, um, I saw it on TV and gotcha. I think I was still in like high school and I lost my mind because they, they went there with the full joke. And I was like, are we allowed to do that? Is anybody allowed to do that? Are they allowed to do that? Yes. <laughs> I kind of sat with the discomfort as the episode went on. Um, like, 
I'm frustrated because Stan really isn't getting it. He's like, Token, I get it. My dad's an idiot. And Token's like, there's more to it than that. What else do you get? And he's like, well, you know, you're you're kind of oppressed, I guess. And he's like, no, you don't get it then. Um, and then Randy is like, it feels like the show itself through Randy is saying, if you say the N word, you're going to have to kiss the entire world's ass in order to be forgiven. But what the show is actually saying is there is a context behind that experience, behind his actions that he's not comprehending, that he just wants to, to be forgiven and over with so that he can go on doing what he was doing before. He doesn't want to learn a lesson from this. Yes. And it, that's when it clicks for Stan is like, I don't get it. And Token's like, you get it. <laughs> yes. um, so it, it really felt like the, the show itself is trying to tell you something different from what they're actually showing you through Randy's experience. And I, I kind of like double-edged humor like that. Yes. So no, 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 it's fine. So uh, for, for context of what, what the actual show is about, the show starts off, Randy is on the, the show Will of Fortune. And there was at the actual final part of it, he was supposed to be winning $30,000. And the category was people who annoy you. And obviously he had his words that he can guess. And so apparently he guessed pretty right with a couple of them. So he guessed the M, the G, the R, the S. In, uh, correctly inside of it. Well, they said people you post, uh, who annoys you. He was only one letter away and supposed to guess it, and he wound up saying niggers. Mm -hmm. Live screen, televised, everywhere, <laughs> and it seems like he has to apologize to everybody. The episode is with apologies to Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson kills me. The idea of Jesse Jackson kills me. JT, do you feel like our political figures actually do this to people sometimes? <laughs> uh, uh, I was saving that question. As soon as I see that Justin Jackson thing, I was like, that's the question I gotta ask JT Dog about that. <laughs> like, do you think that you just be going, kiss my ass? Go ahead, apologize. <laughs> I think that 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 level of humility to be able to enforce it on somebody would yeah. be useful. Jesse Jackson does not have that power. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because even you know, Beyonce yeah. might you kiss my ass, you get a line around the block, but yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that it, I think it's interesting that in just the first five minutes of that episode, where uh, Shannon is shaming Randy for saying the n word, she's like, I can't believe you said that on live television, yes. you freaking idiot, and uh, he's like, I said sorry, and then he turns to his kids and he's like, guys, I thought I was going to win $30,000. That's why I said it. And it's like, no, no, under no circumstances. <laughs> and the word um, was daggers. And, oh. and apparently, yeah, apparently $30,000 is, is his, um, his tag price, you know? <laughs> and so you see like immediately, he's not going to learn anything from this. He's already too far gone. And then Randy, yes. like continuity wise, continues to fuck up like on the on the <laughs> racial front <laughs> yeah um i i felt kind of awkward about it man because i was like i felt awkward to laugh so hard at this tv show lately because of the fact that now yeah. you got like everybody saying faggot like really quickly like they fly off the head of a faggot and nigger like crazy like you know that these guys had tried to find a loophole 
to go around this fucking nigga type conversation. How are we gonna say nigga on the TV show and not get in trouble? Randy, <laughs> we're gonna put him on the wheel of fortune. Like that, that's what that show felt like. Um, it really felt like that. They're like, we're like gonna that. do the big one. <laughs> Because I felt like there was no lesson. Did you feel? Did, you, was, did y'all feel like there was one of their new the season eleven, y'all episode? So they started off with this, uh, not a yeah, season yeah. finale. Like we could get canceled. They're like, if they're still with us now, we can literally. Yeah, do it. yeah. Let's run uh, this one and see what happens. And it went fifteen more seasons deep right after that. <laughs> fifteen more seasons deep right after that. So, did you feel like there was a lesson at all? Uh, I'm going to start off with you, JT. Did you feel like there was a lesson at all to this? Well, they 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 had the little talk at the end. The lesson was at the end, and they did they did give us 30 seconds of lesson. Gotcha. And it was you know when uh it was like, who was that kid Kenny? Yeah. No, no, no. You killed Kenny, you bastards. That was Stan. Um, Stan and Kyle. It was Stan. Oh, and Kyle. It was Stan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. the the uh oh yeah, Kyle. It was Kyle, Kyle's dad, right? Yeah. Stan's dad, that, 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 that Stan's Okay, so Stan yeah. goes up to Token and he tells him, I don't get it. And he was like, dude, now you finally get it. You're right. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. he understood that. And that was, you know, he, he, he said, I'll never understand what it's like for a black person to hear that word used. And that was yeah. the thing that got me because I tell you what, I don't ever want to hear a white person say that. Period. I don't care if you acting. I don't yeah. care if you, if you doing a historical reenactment. I don't care if you're mad. I don't care if you Sasha Gray, like don't ever want to hear no white person say it. And so that's, that's, I could do without. And like, I, I tell you, I think white people need to be afraid to use that word around black folks. Cause I think there should be a law More than they are. to deck them one time. <laughs> if you hear them say it, not, not even like say it at you. If it just comes out, you can get hit by a black person. If they're <laughs> And they did that in the TV show. The first one, one, the first one it gets to, you get the lick. No, we don't get a line. Just you gonna get hit once though. But, okay, that's what's so funny because they did do that intro. Go ahead. You know what it is, Your Honor. You know, as an American citizen, it's my duty <laughs> to protect this country from all threats, foreign and domestic. And I felt threatened. Yeah. <laughs> I was smacking the shit out of white supremacy. <laughs> God. It is a threat. Oh my! Especially, gosh. oh man. Well, let, me, let me get a black woman for a judge. She gonna dismiss my case in like five minutes. I'll be like, "Girl, I did it for you." <laughs> <laughs> so, quick question, Tammy: What did you feel like that there was a lesson yeah. inside of the show? The same question. So, the the first time that I saw it, it felt like Stan was just kind of reaching his. A formulaic nihilistic approach when he said, I don't get it. But looking at it with fresh new eyes in 2023, um, I feel like the lesson is that the barriers of, of um, sorry, the context of the N word forced has uh -oh. been lost to them. So they don't understand the somatic reaction. They don't understand the psychological reaction. And so it because the, that conversation wasn't happening at the time, that was in March 2007. That was right before Obama was elected, but that was well into his candidacy. So now that conversation needed to be happening if y'all were going to be voting for a black man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so I felt like, in a way, South Park just kind of like, really open the floodgates for things you really can't 
okay on TV, but at the same time, the real world implications were that you know, people needed to be having these difficult conversations, regardless of whether or not they were coming from a place where they initially understood it. The, the purpose was to learn. Randy didn't learn a lesson, but Stan did. Gotcha. So I felt like that, I guess because of the fact that I've seen the episode before and I've seen the episode during that time, I've seen the episode, I want to say three times in my life. I do remember yeah. watching the show, uh, the show when it first came out uh, because it was, that was YouTube age, right? So it was, it was big because of that time. Um, the next time I do remember when I was in basic training, um, I binge watched the, the first, like, I think like 12 seasons or something like that at the time, because I was, it was 2010, 2011. And so I was binge watching that and I did see that episode and I was, obviously I was a little bit different because I was around a bunch of white people at the time. <laughs> so I couldn't react the way that I wanted to react. And then now this time, I feel like I still don't see how there's truly a lesson. I just feel like this is just white people are just trying to say that this is the lesson, is that I don't get right. it. And so I, I don't feel like there was a direct correlation to like uh, understanding to that. Um, because even though like uh, Stan doesn't get it, he's saying, well, you get it now. I don't get it. You get it. And then I felt like that was that was a confusing message at the very end. It is. It's a very it's yeah. a very confusing message. And I think that that's why we can have people who could say this this simple thing of like, oh yeah, get woke. But realistically, you gotta get a person like Jordan Peele who makes a movie like Get Out to be able to reinforce how your liberal ass is still racist or doing this discriminatory shit. Yeah. So I I, yeah. I I just feel like it wasn't very vague. There is a there is uh, an enigma out there that you just cannot comprehend yes. for men it's like the pain of childbirth the pain of yes. period cramps you know what it's like to to bleed every month you can't understand that shit. it yes. is an enigma that you don't get to understand fully yes. period you will never get to a a consummate understanding like any woman yes. so you you have a difference in what you can what you can put in your mind what you can comprehend white people have this same enigma this blind spot in in existence in reality you're never going to have this circumstance that it's the same that it's a one-to-one -one ratio of hearing the n-word as a black person of hearing it being used at you of having to to argue with people whether they should be able to say it or not when they lily white and they got no reason to have that mess come out their mouth yeah you do not understand what that's like and the problem is because you don't because a lot of folks don't understand it they either don't think it's real mm. or they refuse to accept it i can't understand it so no 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 it scares me i'm just going to put it off it's beyond my understanding i just i just can't do it so this is this is something you have to overcome and accept you have to accept you're going to be a little bit ignorant about things in this life mm -hmm. and that's something yeah. that a lot of intelligent seeming people they don't want to be ignorant about nothing so they want to be like oh i can understand everything you know what I mean? But it's a catch-22 because you have to admit your ignorance if you're truly wise. And that's what these people are not willing to do. They're not willing to admit, I don't know about this. I don't know about skin color. I've never had to have a conversation about skin color or the N-word or walking home at night, you know, making sure you ain't got nothing shiny in your pockets or making sure that you talk right. to the police in such a respectful ass way that you kiss an ass so you can just get home yeah. safe. They don't have to deal yes, with Yes, sir. It. No, sir. May I go, sir? Yeah. <laughs> so I felt like, uh, and we're going to two things, and we're going to transition into our uh, movie a little a tad bit mm -hmm. early. 
Um, I will say this part. I feel like this is not their best way of teaching a lesson. I felt like right. their best way of teaching a South lesson. Park. Who the hell watches South Park for a lesson? No, well, I get it. No, 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 no. Because they, they try to teach something. They try. They try to do it with the emphasis on teaching something. Even if they, like, you're not getting yeah, right. a lesson on something. This is they not do. educational TV. Do not put this burden on a Comedy Central show that was designed oh, as irreverent as possible. You mean... I'm calling some... I'm calling some... Whoop. I'm calling some Pinocchio oh, no, no. on that shit, dog. Oh, no, no, no. Because here's the one thing I was saying. I'm not saying that, yes, you're not supposed to really take a lot of context out of this. But I feel like even if you still take that attempt at doing something, we still got to criticize you if you're doing this shit right or wrong. I felt like this, the better way that they actually try to teach a lesson is actually through via their video game. Have you ever played any of the South Park video games? Yes. The stick of truth. Yes. Stick of truth and uh, the broken butthole. Yeah, the broken butthole. Yeah. If you play the stick of truth, I, I want to say it's the stick of truth. They make you create your own character. And when you go to create your own character, you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to pick my, uh, my, my difficulty level, right? And they pick your difficulty level based off of your color. I felt yeah. like when they put your shit on, you had to pick a black character. Because I was trying to make the character like perfect me. And I was like, oh, I get to pick my colors, my character's color. And I realized choose your difficulty was above yeah. it. Not choose your skin. <laughs> if you're listening and, to the voiceover, it says it doesn't change the game, but it does affect how difficult it is. And I'm like, word. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then in the in broken butthole uh you can be a male or female character and uh it, because they didn't have a male or female uh selection in uh stick of truth they have to acknowledge that your character is transgender if you choose female so i felt like their video games did a better job when it came to just making their character to be able to put it in a, a context that like you wasn't really expected, and you, I just fucking learned something. Yeah, yeah. my shit is kind of hard. <laughs> I'm gonna do a whole campaign with a bunch of four white kids in Colorado <laughs> dealing with some <laughs> random ass UFO shit. You know what I mean? Which is also where our movie takes place, Colorado. Exactly, Colorado. Yes. So now the transition is into this. Um, our movie this uh, week is actually Black Klansman by the great Spike Lee. Uh, so, first off, let's let's I'm gonna just have you take us away real fast, uh, uh, JT. Um, tell us a little bit about us, uh, Black Klansman, and uh, what was your first thoughts of the uh, first few minutes of it? So, our movie is 2018's Black Klansman, as already said, directed by Spike Lee. This movie stars John David Washington and Adam Driver. John David Washington, of course, is the son of Denzel. Uh, he goes by John David because it's just cool. No, that's not really it. But uh, the movie is about an undercover cop who makes a connection, and he's blackety black. He makes a connection with, of all people, David Duke, the head of the KKK during his investigation into the KKK. Uh, he was also investigating some uh, liberal parties on, on uh, the, the local college campus as well. But this guy goes, he goes and calls up 
you know, David Duke on the phone and tells him, I hate niggers in the just the the most country bumpkin kind of way. And he gets David Duke to believe that he is a white guy. And so he's sitting there talking to him, you know, constantly. And then they want to meet. So now he has to get one of the other cops to get in there, talk like him and go be white Ron Stallworth and infiltrate the KKK. So the movie has a little bit of buddy cop vibe in there. It's got a lot of uh, of humor and a lot of dark humor is, is, and a lot of N-words. Yes. I think that Hollywood should be split into categories. And some of those is will say the N-word versus won't say the N-word. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Al Pacino will say the Felix? N-word. Robert De Niro won't say the N-word. You know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah. it just you could split <laughs> split the whole thing up. Ezra Miller definitely would say the N-word. Will say it enthusiastically. Leonardo DiCaprio will say the N-word after a lot of Oscar. For an Oscar. And if his two black friends said it's okay. We're convincing people they had to stop. Yeah. But the movie, uh, the movie ultimately was uh, pretty good here in the box office for a budget of fifteen million. It grossed ninety three yeah. million worldwide. Uh, nice. I tell you what, this is one of Spike Lee's best films, in my humble opinion. Absolutely, I think Spike Lee knocked <laughs> it out of the park with the casting. Even though the real Ron Stallworth wanted Denzel, mm -hmm. he got literally the next best thing. Yes. Denzel Jr. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, John David Washington. You yes. know, but the, the son of Denzel, it don't get no better. So uh, Ron was very interested in that. A lot of the stuff that they show in this movie really happened. Uh, the difference being when David Duke figured out that the guy he'd been talking to the whole time was a black guy actually happened in 2016 after Ron Stallworth retired from the police. So they, they added it in the movie for dramatic effect because it really happened, just not in the way that they showed. But yeah. other than that, the movie yeah. is very accurate for a Hollywood film. The surprisingly accurate. Uh, this is yeah. this is probably one of the best parts about it is is the the faithfulness of this adaptation. Yes. So uh, the first thing I noticed about the movie was the charisma of of John David Washington using the word white. It is it is the most memorable. This we are good white Americans. <laughs> uh. Uh, and this way uh, of saying it has been has stuck with black people. He why do you say like that, Brandon? Why do you say like that, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> this cool Did, did the bomb part really happen? Wait, the bomb part uh, technically did not happen. But uh, Patrice did not happen. Okay. What actually happened with that was okay. that he was getting information from people and he came across that there was um dynamite and some other things that actually were being sold amongst them for the purpose oh. of bombing other groups yes so that part okay. did not technically happen um it so like I, was too no, good. Patrice, patrice was was the only pretty much the only fake character that was in there yes patrice the rest of them, and i and she I served think that with, patrice oh well i'm so sorry go ahead no come on Tim. um i I first saw Patrice not in Black Klansman. I saw her in a uh, video essay by the tape talking about what is a Karen. And they even reference um, the um, birth of a nation that they also used in Black Klansman. And I just thought that Patrice was such an interesting character because she was clearly written to represent white women who, you know, perform for the patriarchy, despite yeah. never getting a seat at the table. And then 
despite not being part of the organization, they turned her into cannon fodder. You know what I mean? And I, I think it means to talk about like how disposable her character really was. And also it didn't miss me that she was dressed like a mammy. Like, <laughs> like her entire that, character <laughs> should be a video essay in itself. <laughs> Yeah. Did you did you miss that when she was dressed like a mammy? <laughs> Who did this video essay? <laughs> that was crazy. I, I did not <laughs> yeah. see any of that. Wait, really? Yeah. It was Wait. empty. What was your question, JT? I, I said, "Who did this this video? Was it FD Signifier?" Oh no, it was um, it was by a YouTube uh, channel called The Take, and they regularly do uh, video essays of that nature. I'm gonna f around and check that out. <laughs> yeah. Because you're going to have to run out. He said it. Yeah. So. Definitely worth a watch. I, when when it came to like looking at the, uh, her specifically, I felt like Patrice's uh, character represented something else. Uh, I told you sometimes I need my wife for a buffer. I really didn't need it for a buffer, but she really wanted to watch this shit. So. Um, I didn't think about this this perspective at all, but she said she said something that I didn't think about it until very fucking like after that. Her character broke up with him, even though she said that police officers can't make a change. Technically, oh, he changed. Uh, huh? Oh, her name is Patrice. I was thinking of uh, the the wife of Felix. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Patrice, the character in there broke up, and I get it that it's it's not uh, it's not based off a real a true situation, but her character broke up with uh, Ron, even though she said that pig, uh, she said pigs are he said cops uh, would not make a, a change. If technically he made a change, he got involved with the Ku Klux Klan, reduced them down. They haven't had no cross burnings. He was able to identify several ones that actually worked in governmental positions. So he did a lot for a black person in that force, right? The next part, um, she broke up with him because of, uh, because of the fact that she said that she couldn't do it, even though the next part, she said that she was accosted by, which is the guy Flander or Lender? Landers, yeah. uh, Master Patrolman Andy Landers, was yeah. sexually assaulted by, uh, sexually harassed by him or assaulted, I don't know how, how you like justify it. Um, she was uh, sexually harassed by Andy Landers in a police stop, um, an actual like patrol stop, and then he she, they got him because he was a dirty cop, and apparently he had shot somebody, and that was the storyline, yeah. and he admitted to it, and they got him on a wire. So that's the second thing. Third thing yeah. was obviously the David Duke situation. Uh, they stopped the bombing, so she did so. Uh, he did so many things to take care of her. He even let her know, yeah. like, not to go because they were going to bomb the actual protest, which was the original goal. They were going to bomb the protest. So did all of those things for her. And she said, I can't be with you. So I, yeah. uh, my wife said that, honestly, <laughs> that kind of tells you that, like, realistically, no matter how much you try as a black man, you could never actually impress anybody because you did the right thing or anything great, usually. You have the impossible task of trying to do the right thing. I think that's that's, that's a possibly bad so I don't come on Tammy okay so what I picked up from that was Patrice was trying to tell Ron that 
he can't have it both ways and be an agent of authority operating within a system that is inherently flawed mm -hmm. and rooted in our oppression historically and literally, you know, originating mm -hmm. from slave catchers and whatnot. And I think she was saying that he can't have it both ways as an agent of authority and as an abolitionist, because the work that she was doing was abolitionism. Um, yes. And the police, uh, it, she's she is looking at it from a really radical way as if the police can't be reformed. I personally, like, she's saying the police need to be abolished. And uh, she doesn't really offer a lot of solutions for, like, what would replace the police because they weren't really getting that far ahead at the time. They were just like, just please stop killing us. Stop bringing drugs into our neighborhood. Stop harassing us, you know? Yes. But, like, the, the next natural step for that is to dismantle the systems of oppression and then replace it with something that would provide restorative justice which kind of mm -hmm. i don't know maybe i'm just speaking from my experience maybe like she felt like an avatar for black women i don't know <laughs> black women talk out um but you know it, it just felt like she was trying to say that you have good intentions and you're doing a good thing okay. but by being within proximity to this institution that supports white supremacy, you are never going to get anywhere in place. And that's essentially kind of what happened uh, at the end of the movie when the chief was like, all right, pack it up, go home, budget cuts. Sorry, you guys can't fight racism anymore. And then they kind of have them breaking up in the end of the movie. And then there's that weird knock and then they, they see the cross and then it goes into the compilation. Then they get pulled of, on a wagon, on, on a pallet when, slider, <laughs> looking all yeah, stoic. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, that was from was a uh, Shaft, I think. It was inspired by black exploitation movies, and I thought that was cool as hell. Yeah. Um, but then the, I think that the compilation at the end is meant to represent the fact that this has gone unregulated because people like Ron can't get into those spaces and regulate and undo all the harm that the Klan has done. Um, and so then it's like jump to 2016, 2017, where they're showing the, this footage of all these white supremacists walking up and down, screaming their heads off. This is what happens when it continues to go unregulated. Yes. And if we had more like groups like that, it, it might not be a possibility for people to be so comfortably racist. Yeah. See, the only reason why I think I agree with the, I, I, I think that there's a misconception of, of the fact of what you can do in a place of power like that. I do think that you can make some pieces of change. Like I said, again, even though yeah. like they did the budget cuts, you still have a good cop that's in narcotics, which what got a lot of people in actual prison a lot of times. Fucking narcotics. So if you have a guy that's like that, that's in narcotics, he is enabled to make a, a personal part of change. At least in that area, he's not making international yeah, change. And so I, that's why I agree with the context of what like my wife was trying to point is the fact that right. like even though he did all these other things, you're never going to be looked at as you're making an actual particular part of change. I don't. Think I think it was. It was about. I don't think it was about his effort. Yeah, that was the thing. And so when, when you say no matter what you do, you're not going to be Nah, he was messing with the wrong chick. That's what I, I agree. But that was completely antithetical to his setup of power. And Agreed, she knew yeah. that the power needed to go back to the people. Agreed. But here, here you are over here on the team that tries to hoard it. 
Yes. So that's there is no way that that relationship could have lasted. Period. Well, yeah, because happened. she asked him. She said, "Are you for the liberation of black people or are you a cop?" And he like and he hemmed it hard. It was a yes or no question. Are you for the liberation of black people? And he said, "I'm a detective." So you chose. There you go. So you couldn't be discontent in your response. She said, "In essence, are you with me or are you going to be an obstacle?" And right. he's just like, "I want to be in a relationship with you, but I don't want to have to compromise something that I believe in to do that." Huh? Yeah, and so I see. That's that's in but, essence why she broke up with him. But, and love will will force you to choose your allegiance. So yeah, if you really love this woman, you got to go do the thing to be with her. Yeah. And the thing is, it is not possible to be a cop and do that thing that she needs. And even if out. they weren't dating, it her her access to her either interpersonally or sexually isn't a reward for doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, I think we need more movies that like remove that concept, just doing the right thing without any essence of transactionalism, just because you can, you right. know, or you have the power to. Right. Well, right. I think you needed that character though. I think that, that you needed something to make it move forward to be able to actually show, cause you have to be able to justify where he changed at in when it came to his connection to that actual group. And so uh, I do see that there was a small part that they could have ran with without Patrice is that, oh, I ran into this girl at the beginning of the meeting. And this is before they went to the actual meeting for that had uh, uh, Kwame Ture, who's played by Kari Hawkins. He went to go actually speak for them, uh, speak at this uh, Black Student Union event. So he runs into this girl, he tried to highlight her, it didn't go so hot. Now Kwame Ture he waited in line. He waited in line because she made Back it. Back in line. <laughs> and so, uh, which by the way, I thought that that was kind of beautifully shot. They showed that I, uh, I felt like this was exposition that we technically didn't need in the film, but it definitely still felt filthy uh, of a lot of information. Um, so you know, that that was like ten minutes that you really didn't need in the film, but yet it still it felt still like I didn't care that that 10 minutes was there like a lot of other films ha uh, have I but go ahead um I, there was a scene when they put the flyers all over her neighborhood yes. and in and he pulls her aside to have a conversation with her and it just cuts out and i thought that was really weird because it, it feels like there was some kind of context like regarding the tension or like the discourse between them that needed to happen or maybe they moved that scene like upward i don't know uh i feel like it's worth watching again just to like see if he's wearing the no, same that, something he, it, it felt so empty yeah spike lee does have random scenes like that like if you want to talk about, yeah. about the movie like malcolm x uh he had the one random scene where he had the white girl that he was with and he said, kiss my feet and like suck my toes. That felt like it was kind of like a random place scene at that right. point in time. Or like uh, if you look at like a uh, jungle fever, like the fact that the little daughter was hearing the mom and dad having sex and she was smiling about it, right? Um, actually, JT, thinking about it, that actually break call back to that scene in Q in Love and Basketball. Remember <laughs> when Q was doing that, that, that shit too. But I thought uh, I think that like there is these random like tidbit scenes that it just feels like uh, is bad place scenes. That makes sense. What yeah. I'm saying? It felt like it was yeah. supposed to be pacing was a little off. Yes. 
it it broke really so the movie up to that point had great pacing and then it broke its pacing and i'm not sure like for what reason uh, but it was like a half hour then well that's choppy well, that's yeah, the reason because, why I think that the reason why I think that, that it broke apart because of the fact that they had a couple of scenes that weren't really real that happened. So, like the right. uh, the situation where they had a lot of tech to test uh, for uh, Flip, that really didn't happen. The right. the scene where he uh, where Ron threw the rock through the actual window to kind of stop that from happening, none of that shit really yeah. happened. So um, there was some parts that really kind of. You could tell that those parts weren't initially in there, so they needed to put it in some more context. So I think that that was not too really far away from. They needed to to tense up Adam Driver's in, in like infiltration very much. Mm -hmm. To be honest, like if you are part of the KKK and you hear a white guy say the N word, you're probably like, all right, he's one of us. It's it's pretty easy to, Which, to shoot. I thought it was wild. Which I thought was wild because they were questioning the shit out of Adam Driver's character, but then they had uh, what's his name, that Italian dude. Uh, oh fuck, he's in like every fucking Adam Sandler movie he all looked, the time. Uh, come on, he, he looks so half Mexican. Exactly, and they were the so okay with him. Yeah, like he looks like he is not white. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, he might have had some Jewish like in there somewhere himself. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. First thing I did was go to Wikipedia. I was like, is he fucking... Where is he? And come to find out, he's Italian. Yeah, he's, yeah, apparently he's full Italian. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you here? Yeah. No, I thought that Slick character... Because I thought that Flip's character was really interesting because the first time that uh, Ron brings up uh, being passing, right? He's like, this is your fight. And I don't understand where you're disconnecting here. You're Jewish. This affects you. And he's like, man, it don't hurt me that bad. I'm not even that into it. But the more entrenched in the organization that he gets, the more he's kind of like, yeah, if I don't do something about this, people are going to get hurt. And I have the, the ability to be here because of the way that I am. And he then accepts that he has been passing and even vocalizes it to Ron after Ron calls them brothers. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, we share the same name. So now we're brothers. And he's like, yeah, you know, maybe I have been passing. Maybe it was just because I didn't have that strong connection to my Jewish heritage. But, you know, I just don't think that I've been navigating the world as a Jewish person. I have been passing. And like as a biracial person, it, it really connected with me because it, it it's like I've seen the way that my my peers have been treated. I've received preferential treatment. And like the it didn't change the way I navigated the world. I'm still black. You know what I mean? But I also have to acknowledge that I have a different experience than my peers because of my uh my features you know what i mean and it is something that's like really difficult for people who are lighter skinned uh people of culture to accept because their experiences are still valid their pain and trauma is still valid but through the eyes of other people who have different experiences than them who just so happen to have a little more melanin you know it's like you got it easier that's how yes. it feels coming uh, to us. You know what I mean? And, and so I, not, I just thought that Adam Driver's that character as a whole the problem was is, really The problem is you get you get to feeling yourself and acting like you're passing for a little while, and then somebody let it slip right. and said, no the hell you're it's not. It's such a multi, 
it, it's multifaceted and intersectional at the same time. And I, I, I love to, I would love to sit down and like explore that sometime. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm actually gonna actually uh, bring up this. How did you feel about the? Gone, bro, was gone. How did you feel about the actual use of the the white voice throughout the whole time? Oh, when he was using his uh, his King's English. Um, yeah, he called it King English, and he called that, he speaks King English and Jive fluently. That's what he said. Yes, um, I I think it's reflective of how they both have had to navigate uh white supremacy or a white body supremacy as two people who are you know historically marginalized mm -hmm. like these are survival tactics and, and there are people who validly criticize you know code switching um and uh, i think that it's a conversation to be had it for some people it's just natural because of the environment you grew up in you know mm -hmm. if i get around to other texans my texan accent is coming out and that's like different from somebody who mirrors because they have ADHD or they're autistic. You know what I mean? Oh. So it's like for a lot of people, it's a survival tactic for others. It's just a product of your environment. Um, and I feel like I'm minimizing something that's like much larger than myself, but the way that those two utilized it through the movie is Adam just being white passing and Ron being capable of it, like having an understanding of how white body supremacy functions, just the way he talks to David Duke and catfished David Duke because he knows what white people think about him. And that's that's really I got on that. <laughs> so yeah, what about you, Jason? Using the access you get when you play on into somebody's hate. <laughs> so. I thought it was funny because apparently, according to uh, Ron Stallworth, he did not use a white voice at all. He used yeah. his real voice, apparently. And the reason being is because of the fact that they didn't want to trip him up when it came to if he had to go in and out of character. So if he right. answered the phone, he had to use his actual real voice. And somebody was like, oh, hey, can I speak to Ron Stallworth? Well, he can't go into this voice right here. And, you know, right in the dead. Oh, well, <clears throat> this is him. <laughs> Oh, how are you doing? How are how, how, how are you? You know, it's like how are you? How are you? Um, so the 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 coincidence of that actual part was more so specifically was his coworkers asked him apparently was um, he asked what made his voice any different from theirs and they never answered the question. They never answered the question of why, what was the difference between his voice and their voice? And they didn't know how to actually answer yeah. that question. So yeah, he, he really fumbled on that one because it, it shows that he doesn't have a lot of ex actual exposure to black people. He's, yes. he's just been conditioned to hate them, you know? Yes, very, very much so. Now, you as a voice actor, J, uh, JT, how do you feel like the character uh, characterization that uh, John David Washington used? for a white voice to be able to talk to David Duke. So the way that John David Washington approached this role was funny. That's no. the, that's first and foremost. Cause you remember when you voice acting, you, you still act it, you know? Yes. They don't get to see you. So you have to put all your acting into your voice. And I actually have a tone that's called incognito because <laughs> The goal is is to take the bass out of my voice and sound like you, you just just blend into the background. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, when we're talking up here like this, you don't know who's on the other end of that mic. 
And some people like Hello? That. 911? But like, I, I like the jobs where I just get to be like, hello. <laughs> you know, just, just bring it from the gut. Like, yeah. Yeah, just growl the whole time. I like those. Few and far between. But uh, when when I look at John David Washington and I, and I listen to him and other stuff, it's pretty obvious that he puts he puts the hard R's on everything, you know. But other than that, that's pretty much just how he talks. Yeah. So the whole setup was was really kind of smooth. Now, when he comes up talking about white people, that's where I just lost it. Started like the first time I heard that shit started laughing because it's funny. Yes, it's funny. So, yeah, that's what I think about that. What did you, what did you think about the uh, affirmation scene? Oh, uh, repeat where, that. Uh, Which affirmation? Uh, it's the one towards the end where they're watching the movie, um, the, the Confederate, the, the, the pro-Confederacy movie. Versus and then, that yeah, was and such then a, they, that, that right there, when you were talking about uh, like the, the dual narratives, that was the thing that popped yeah. up the most. Because yeah, I got chills watching I, that because the, of the way yeah. that they talk about white power versus black power. In reality, yes. black power is about black resilience. White power resilience. is about white supremacy. And yes. this, is the, this is the difference. This is what Spike Lee beautifully highlighted in this scene, in these yeah. dual scenes. Because he has the white people over here trying to, to concentrate their power and eliminate anybody else out of the situation who's not white. And if they can't eliminate yeah. them, well, then at least they'll take their power from them. White power. Uh -huh. America first. And this is, yeah. and you know, they had Nixon posters up everywhere. And then he, and he beautifully highlighted the same spirit in 2017. So, you know, that was yeah. the year before this movie came out. That was just last year. Y'all, this just happened. Charlottesville yeah. just happened. He would have had so much more stuff if he would have just put the movie Hell out in 2020. There's a whole right. minute. <laughs> Come on now. But like, this, uh, this, so the, the whole, and, and when, when you got Harry Belafonte talking about the horrible torture and brutal murder of, of somebody right in the middle of the street, and he just was looking so, at a high. Yeah. That, that shit right there is, if you don't get chills watching that scene, you ain't paying attention. Your eyes ain't open. I was having a I had a whole somatic reaction about it. Like, was I was moment, so huh? anxious. I felt it in my body. Like, it was so uncomfortable. And so, I, but at the same time, like, the essence of the, the scene and the parallels between them were my favorite part of the movie. Because it, it, it is highlighting, you know, resistance and, and reclaiming, uh, you know, your dignity and uh, claiming a power that was never granted to you versus subjugation and, and tyranny and, you know, dominating people you think are lesser than you. Uh, I, I knew someone who once said to me that black power and white power are the exact same thing. And I they went into like a whole 30 minute dissertation on how he got me fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Nah. So, that that the, dumbest, the... the dumbest thing you could say because there's so much nuance there and i think it really took two hours of the movie to go highlight that that shit properly but he did i also Spike think he did a, a great job highlighting these differences it is not two sides of the same coin it is different yeah. bit. so so good oh no it's okay you go ahead no no no, no. it's fine i i like um, the fact that this happened Okay, well, and somebody's um, repeating it, not echoing. Oh, it's not is me. it me? So, so I will say, um, from 
the, the, going back into the story about the Charlottesville, and let's let's see, let's let's go actually different because apparently this is Harry Belafonte's last acting role. Really? Um, yeah, this apparently was his last yeah, acting he, role. He's up there in age. So he was telling the, the true story about Jesse Washington. Yeah. Now, when we talk about that actual that actual story, and we're talking about like how you said about the affirmation itself, how do you feel? about that be replicated almost the same storyline for like Black Lives Matter and all the rest of these other, um, I guess you would say, um, YouTube and Twitter uh, videos that actually are saying kind of the same message, but utilizing trauma stories like this to actually mm. be told. So for example, like you talk about Eric Garner, the people who, uh, the girl who filmed that, um, didn't she get a, like a, I think she got a Pulitzer Prize for that or something like that because she was the one that actually filmed it or something like that. Um, um, so how but, do you feel like that translates to modern day when it comes to storytelling? So I feel that it is important to, and I don't feel that enough people watch that movie. And I all, like I said before, empathy is a skill. And the, the problem that I've seen know, as we operate, uh, ever since reading My Grandmother's Hands by Resma Menikin, is that a lot of our pain and our trauma has lost context both in the Black community and for white people who have never been obligated to learn about that trauma. Yes. So without that context, the pain is perpetuated. And because it's lost, you know, it's like fumbling in the dark. You're trying mm -hmm. to figure out why you feel this way, why this invokes anger in you. And, you know, there's really, when you realize it, there's no resolution at the end of that. You have to do education. You have to educate your community. You have to educate the people who, uh, you know, oppose you, who are, you know, coming from a place of pain, but also are coming from a place where they don't understand why you're angry. It's like, just get over it. It's that simple. And it's like, no, you're, benefiting from a system that is passively oppressing people. That is why the system, is, you know, that puts the system in systemic. Um, and so like, we do need more movies like that, that navigate the white experience and parallel it to the black experience so that we can not only recontextualize the way that we perform within a white body supremacy, but also so that we can show that what you're thinking, doing, and, and navigating is not the same as when we do it. All lives matter and Black lives matter are not remotely the same. They are counter, they're reaction, you know, yes. reactionary, excuse me. So, um, and, go hold on, finish what you're saying. Oh, no, that was really it. Um, that, that was it. <laughs> yeah, sure. So JT, the same question, because I know that you, you said on uh, several occasions about like your feelings of Black Lives Matter. But like, how do you feel this film handled telling the story of Jesse Washington? Um, and how do you think that that actual storytelling kind of reflects to modern day? So that took that supposed to be that storyline was supposed to be taking place in like the seventies and eighties, right? Yeah. Whereas now we have like social media and stuff like that. How do you think that storytelling? Uh, was handled versus actually how we get uh, storytelling like that via social media most times. So, for example, like Instagram, where people are doing like this history is telling story, or uh, this thing about what happened with Eric Garner and so on and so forth. 
how do you feel like those kind of like are being handled versus the other? I mean, what Harry Belafonte did with that role was fabulous. You know, he had five minutes of screen time or whatever, and he just just took all the air out of the room, man. He just just you know his his fire was burning that bright. So it was it was such an impactful thing, and you know for 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 you to see the care that he has for his people in warning them about these experiences, because that's really what it was. And you know we we see these things. We've seen the Tulsa massacre. You know what I'm saying. We've seen crosses put in people's yards. You know what I'm saying. I don't know if you if, if you got the family, but you talk to some of them aunts and uncles somewhere. They done had that shit happen to them too. And so the the movie really did a did a good job honing in on the horrors of hate and why we have to be be vigilant and root hate out of our society. And then, you know, it highlights where that hate still resides. Mm -hmm. Now, what it didn't do was it didn't talk about how many cops and military people also carry this hate. But that's something that, that, you know, uh, they they touched on, but they didn't, they really didn't point fingers. You know what I'm saying? Like they did it to KKK. So uh, personally, myself, I would like to see that happen a little more, you know, hardcore. I would really, really like them to needle in and be like, and there's racists in the military and racists in the policeman's union and racist, you know, just you got to know these things. So one of the most important thing you can tell people when you're talking about these deaths is why it happened and how can we make sure it never happens again? And so, you know, you, you kind of get Spike Lee's overarching message with the two speakers. You know, I feel like that's kind of Spike Lee's you know, two cents that he's trying to put in. You know what I'm saying? And I think he does that with with the the featured speakers that the uh, uh, Black Liberation Union or whatever they call it is is is, is bringing in. Yeah. So I think that's how they highlighted it and how they dealt with these 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 murders. Uh, what I would like to see in film more is I would like to see more morals to the story, more what we can take away from this life lived or lost. And so often we don't see value being placed on anything in Hollywood films, except the MacGuffin, whatever they're chasing around that movie. Uh-huh. And so when when you talk about human life as if it's disposable, that's when you get a lot of people who just don't care about their fellow man. That's when you have hate that can that can run rampant. When you make somebody the other, when you dehumanize them to the point of you know, kicking like yo, you're a cur on the street. You're a dog, a dirty dog with fleas. That's that's when hate really can take hold and do some terrible things. Yes. And so uh, that's what I want to see more of in my cinema and in movies and, and, and TV shows that I watch and the books I read, you know, and the media I consume. I want to see more of these life lessons. What can we learn from this terrible murder? Sometimes you just got to hide and be quiet and just watch what happens. Yes. But a lot of people are too busy opening up their mouth without something to say. Yeah. So, uh, my final question, and I'm going to start off with actually more of a statement on that, about my personal experience. This took place, this film was premiered on the anniversary of the Unite the Right rally, um, that which was the Charlottesville uh, incident. Um, and that was intentional. And that's why you also actually had all the footage that you had at the very end and everything like that with Heather Hare passing away. I 
had a uh, very, very frustrating experience when it came to that because of the fact that when I was working at a job, and I'm not going to talk about the job or anything like that. Um, but I was on the floor with a couple of other guys who it was a Hispanic guy and it was a white guy. And when they talked about the, uh, this, had their hair had passed away, got the TMZ report on my phone, and it was a black, obviously it was a Black Lives Matter rally at that time. And when I said about the car getting, I said, man, somebody got hit during an actual protest. And they said, well, I would have hit them too, because if you want to um, clog up the road while I'm trying to head somewhere to go to work, you mean, and my first thought was that like, damn, y'all really don't care about two things, one human life, but then also on a, on another layer and an onion of it is the fact of like you don't care about civil rights for people who are a lot darker than you. So I'm gonna ask you specifically about the Charlottesville like Unite the Right um, rally. How much do you remember? First off, I'm gonna ask both of you. Um. So what I remember about the Charlottesville rally, um, the most is terrifying a lot of my friends from the Jewish community were uh, because it, it started with uh, the alt-right boys marching around in their white t-shirts and tiki torches, you know, screaming that Jews won't replace them. And I'm like, what did Jewish people ever fucking do? Jews, Jews ain't going to replace you with the Jiffy Lube dog. What do you got to worry well, about? Yeah. Seriously, the two most wholesome communities I can that comes to mind are the Jewish community and the Muslim community. They're both community centric. They're both extremely supportive. And I've never heard of a Jewish person, you know, committing a mass shooting. Like, I, I don't understand where the hate comes from. And it's probably like three parts delusion, one part insecurity. Yes. Um, and then, uh, you know, just like seeing everybody be, oh, seeing my friends be afraid. And then watching it escalate and escalate and escalate. And then next thing I know, you know, black bodies are on the line. And then, you know, a person was killed by a white supremacist. And everybody's like, you know, victim blaming. It was the gaslighting was fucking nuts. Yes. They're just like, well, why was she there? It, you know, if she was just minding her own business, she wouldn't have died. It's like, bro, she was fighting for civil rights. Are you freaking crazy sorry i'm trying not to swear too much but no no you're, you're right it, you're fine even cuss on us right? we, we cussed multiple times we even talked about uh, shit, it was jarring. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um it it got to a point where i just became so insanely depressed it felt like something in me died regarding humanity because these people were just looking for every fucking reason why this woman deserved to die and i'm just like is that what you think of us is is that how you really feel and uh you know it it didn't help that trump also exacerbated the situation and then told the proud boys you know stand back stand by and then they they turned that into a meme i'm just like they turned that into a, they turned that into a logo a slogan a god dang yeah. yeah. t-shirt that they passed out like it was a family reunion yes oh my god yeah. I just realized I have a lot of unprocessed trauma about that period of time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I gotta go. Oh, I gotta go. That's a, that's <laughs> <all>. <laughs> um, 
But uh, what about you? What about you, JT? Man? Um, How do you feel? Go ahead. Uh, you look like he has something. Finish How up. do I feel about Charlottesville? Yeah. Like, so, who do you remember? How do you when, feel? When these, when these motherfuckers was marching down the street talking about Jews will not replace us with their Hawaiian-based tiki torches, I laughed hard. Colonizer laughed behavior. really hard. <laughs> because y'all can't even get no American-made stuff. You out here with tiki torches. Y'all didn't even wrap a, a sock around a branch and go out there like, yeah, that's my torch. I ain't gonna lie to you. Got tiki torches. That did so, do a call back to that thing on chain. Listen, the, the, anybody with a tiki torch, I automatically feel like you could beat in a fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I feel like that was, that was a callback to Django Unchained. My wife spent all night cutting off the holes in all these pillowcases. You I felt like that was that's what that was. So, and and you can get listen, your own damn pillowcase next time. We gotta talk about we gotta talk about these neo Nazis, y'all. So, yeah. One of the problems that we have in America is there is a lot of Nazi sympathizers who have not been rooted out. And instead of Nazis, the Nazis are coming, we get, oh, communism. Oh, socialism. Oh, these are the bad thing. And then you get a bunch of dumbasses who don't know the difference calling people fascists when they're really socialists. Yeah. Right. Because they don't know how any of this stuff works. So one of the biggest problems that we got when we have to talk about people being hateful is the fact that we don't talk the same we not using the same words just the simple fact i said we not using instead of we're not using is enough for some people to label me an idiot but the funny thing is in the african-american vernacular english the way that english is used is much more similar to other languages it doesn't have all these stupid little dumbass rules everywhere and so when I'm watching these dudes talk about Jews will not replace us, I know there's some accountant over there looking out the window through his shades like, they're coming for my job. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm not worried. Trust me, baby. They can't, they can't count that high. You're fine. <laughs> but this, this idea about the Aryan race, you know, this notion is, is really, in, in some parts, based off a sense of tribal familiarity. And when you look at another white person, you can come from California or New York and still understand each other. That's the concept. But the funny thing is, if you actually are from California and go to New York, you still might not understand people because of the way that they talk, because of their accents. Even though people may look like you, you might be comfortable with that. And so the problem is with these folks, with these neo-Nazis, is they fly the American flag as if it's exclusionary to all the people they don't like as opposed to inclusionary of everybody who also lives under that flag. And this is antithetical to what America is based off of. And, and you see this constantly in David Dukes, played pretty well by Topher Grace there. Uh, for, for, oh, sorry, I, got a, I got a funny fact about that one. We'll go that 70s show Eric, for crying out loud, is David Duke. But... The idea race. of if we we talk the same, we talk proper, we talk right, so we talk white, you yeah. know, and that and that thing that bonded him together with somebody he didn't know was simply being familiar with the language that he was speaking. Mm -hmm. In America, right. you have to be okay with some ambiguity in your communication. However, this is no, uh, the source of no small comedy of errors. 
I can't tell you how many times you you get something, you know, uh, the hard disk. Oh, not not the floppy one, the hard disk. Okay, so so the frisbee. No, the CD. You mean a hard drive? You know, all of these different things could qualify as a hard disk. And so just that that ambiguity in America. One thing that Americans are not good at is saying, all right, wait, hold up. Wh which one of these do you mean? Hold on. I I'm sorry. I don't understand your definition. Can you, statement? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can you just, can you, can you give me another way of saying it? Yeah. And, and so when I see these dudes marching around in Charlottesville, it's because they think that everybody who looks like them talks like them, that they can understand them, that they can go somewhere else and expect that they know what a white guy living out in the desert's life is like, even though they're in North Carolina. And so this is the kind of stuff that I see and I, and I, and I chuckle to myself because I'm like, y'all are so dumb. You don't know how different your neighbor down the street lives from you. But you mm. think you're united simply because you're a light shade. That's not how it works. But you got a lot of people who want to get swept up in this tribality. When you said like three parts delusion and one part insecurity, I thought it was the inverse. Because you can be really insecure and just a little delusional. And once you find the acceptance of a community, all of a sudden you swept in with the rest of them, like Patricia. When I say when I say three parts delusional, it's because in my mind I have it broken up into different segments, like the the Christ delusion, the that Jewish people killed Jesus. To be technical, Pil Pilate killed Jesus. The, the Romans, uh, you know, Romans. yeah, the Romans. <laughs> And Jesus was a dark-skinned um, person of color who was not only a social uh, Democrat, you know, providing free health care and food for everybody, he was also a victim of democracide, which is something that the Black community can most identify with, given that all of our civil rights leaders have been victims of democracide. Um, and, and so, you know, you have the Christ delusion, then you have the delusion that of white superiority, like David Duke said, you know, oh, it's just scientifically proven that we have superior genes. And I'm like, why don't you step outside under this 90 degree sign and say that to my fucking face? Well, you can drink, <laughs> drop down and say it to my dick, bro. Like, it's, no, it's just no not kidding. true. And, and then there's, uh, and then there's the, the delusion of entitlement. The, mm. well, because we're on top of all the things, I'm inherently being promised something that, that I deserve because I'm a white man. Um, and, and then, you know, the one part is insecurity. I don't have any of those things. You know, I'm not informed enough about these things and da, 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 da. So like, yeah, it could work on the inverse, but where I'm operating from is three parts delusion and one part insecurity. I love it. I ain't mad at it at all. My point was simply that all you have to do is be mostly insecure. And then, you know, if yeah. you don't stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And so Insecure a lot of white people, people fall into these traps shit. the same way that Snoop Lion <laughs> fell into this trap. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah. Snoop went out to Jamaica and, you know, he started smoking with the Rastafarians talking about, yeah, I, I'm down with this shit. I'm going to change my name to Snoop Lion. You know how quick he was excommunicated from that church? I tell you what, they were like, this Negro does not follow our prophecies. He does <laughs> not follow our precepts. Get the hell out of here. Go back. To, stop calling yourself Snoop Lion too, nigga. <laughs> For real, they were. Yeah. And I better not see nobody talking about how, uh, you know, talking about transgender people when everybody respected Snoop Dogg changing his name to Snoop Lion. I, for everybody. one, did not. I did not. Okay. I do like Lions <laughs> better than dogs, but I did hey, not. Snoop Dogg isn't even his real name, so. <laughs> nobody calling him Calvin Brodus. 
Snoop. Hey, I would love to see somebody call Snoop Dogg by his government name just to see what's up, Calvin. What's up, Calvin? Nobody call me Calvin, but my mama, nigga. Y'all gonna stop. I'll talk to you in five minutes when you get hot. That man, that man is black <laughs> excellence. That man is black excellence. You better stop. <laughs> Snoop Dogg is the reason we need more black men to grow old. Look at him. I almost oh, bought his damn cookbook. That shit is adorable. We know damn well he didn't cook a goddamn meal. He was eating more McDonald's than motherfucking Donald Trump. We know that, bro. Oh, I'll let you tell you. Nobody eats more McDonald's than that. That, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, with that, um, I know we could we could talk we could talk about this movie a lot, and I I, I yeah. do I really would love to talk about this movie a lot. I'm intentionally trying to like keep Birth of a Nation out of it because I would love to eventually like have a conversation about Birth of a Nation, the movie later that we have with um, I think it was like the 2013 movie, yeah. um, Birth of a Nation as well. I I would love to talk to them about that movie in correlation to the past movie. I would say this. I love the fact that Harry Belafonte did say that this film, there was a president who said that this film was like written, um, this film was written by lightning. Am I correct? That's the actual. That was Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Woodrow Wilson waited at the White House. Yeah. Waited at the White House. And he said it was like uh, writing with lightning. Um, how do you feel about that quote? How do you feel that uh, do you feel like that film did in a way kind of spark something? I guess that's the easiest way to say for the clan and for other like uh, actual like race groups. And I'm gonna do a bonus question, I'm gonna switch that to you towards you, uh, Tammy. Is do you feel like this same film would spark something in modern day people who fall into these supremacist groups? I think that people who outright, you know, unabashedly adhere to white body supremacy mm-hmm. are looking for an outlet of retained, of like, a, yeah, a lot of trauma retention, but also um, just like this need to act out in violence. Um, and, and I feel that because of the way that capitalism functions right now, we aren't incentivized to participate in community communities the way that our grandparents were because you know like back then businesses were pillars of the community where people could meet up and provide mutual aid for each other in times of need but nowadays we don't have that and i feel that a lot of people get roped into white supremacy or the alt-right pipeline because they're looking for community and they're looking for connection and I think that something like that would validate a lot of white supremacist ideals that would be wrapped up in a pretty little bow and just be like, see, we, we still recognize what you feel and we still recognize what you believe. And then again, we come back to the three delusions, you know, validating these inaccurate, wrong and deeply internalized beliefs that have been, you know, perpetuated since Virginia classified white people as white in uh, 1608. So, um, go ahead. 
Oh, well, it really just boils down to a lot of uh, generational trauma that's never been addressed, a lot of interracial trauma that's never been addressed. Mm -hmm. um, and like, personally, I hold the government responsible for all the things that are wrong with us right now, but um, it, specifically in that, uh, in that aspect, I feel that if Birth of a Nation didn't come out when it did and influence the the flux of the clan, uh, we would probably not be having this conversation now just because of the deep impact that the that it had. And then you got to remember that the Ku Klux Klan at one point was an MLM. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they had to be convinced and they had to pander to, you know, white sensitivities uh, because they were conning them for their money. Yeah. Um, and they even like kind of hint at that in uh, Black Klansmen. Yeah. Uh, with the initiation fee and the robe and da da da. Um, inflation. <laughs> that was the word of the day, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Uh, sorry, we got Robert here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that that's really all I have. It, the world would be a different place if we never had Birth of a Nation. And to correct myself, the actual quote was, uh, it was like history was written with lightning. That was the actual correct quote. Now, JT, I wanted to end this movie on a positive note before we actually get it on, uh, go on to our actual rating system. Spike Lee. I feel like you can't go a film with Spike Lee without having Prince involved. The final song was Mother Weep. Uh, uh, Mary, Don't You Weep. I'm sorry, correct myself. Over the credits. And it was uh, originally unreleased and it was a, just a rehearsal recording. How do you feel like that song like finished out the movie? Fin um, like, how do you feel? Let me quick, let me change my question. Actually, I'm sorry, I apologize. Um, Cause I, I had this question written down, but I'm, I'm gonna change it differently. How do you feel Spike Lee uses of Prince uh, songs actually imp impacts his actual films? I mean, it's it's an exclamation point. It's Prince. It's a big purple, squiggly, oversized exclamation point, shaped like yeah. love symbol number two. Yeah, and the reason I the reason why. Go ahead. Oh, Happy Day was somber and solemn, and that's what they opened the movie with. So it only seemed like it it made more sense to play a song that was raw and uncut and unreleased. Uh, mm -hmm. to close out what was quite honestly a very raw ending. Um, yes. I, I think whoever was handling the score knew what the hell they were doing because it was effective. Yes. Um, the reason why I was just asking that because it's right that um, I felt like Prince, when he uses Prince's songs, he does a good job by kind of recapping what actually happened and the, the shit prior to that. So even though we have like the Mary Don't Weep, I feel like for the most part, Patrice's character represents a particular thing. And I think that Mary comes from the character of Patrice a lot of times, based off of the song. Um, and Patrice's character seems like she's kind of like the modern radical uh, black liberal. Mm. And it's a representation of that, that black radical liberal. I don't... Um, because I don't see her being a panther. I see her as a modern radical a black liberal. So I felt like the song actually was telling the story from Patrice's perspective. 
at the very end. So that's why I wanted to ask you is how do you feel Prince's songs kind of impact the actual films himself and does the storytelling for it in a, in a weird way? Um, but with that, we do our actual rating system based off of a five point scale. So we got our actual winner, edger, slumper, sleeper, dumpster. If you uh, think that this movie is fantastic, then obviously it's a winner. But if this motherfucker is trash, let's admit it. Let's come to Jesus. Let's have a, com a conversation. And we are going to let this motherfucker go sit with the ancestors in the dumpster. So with that, JT, how would you rate this system, uh, this, this, uh, uh, this film that captures a lot of systematic ass shit? Uh, in a course of two hours and like about four minutes, how would you rate the Black Klansman? Spike Lee, as as usual, uh, has taken on a much larger story, a much larger issue than his two hours and change that we're going to give him will allow. Malcolm X was originally four hours. So when Spike Lee make a movie, you know he's got a lot to say. And it really felt like some of the best parts were left on the cutting room floor because the movie was so long. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I, I tell you what, I, I ended up watching the movie on higher speed so I could get it done beforehand because I had some business calls. But man, this was long film. Uh, hmm. But apart from some pacing errors, which really keep it from being perfect, I thought this movie was god dang sensational. Uh, the way Adam Driver turns around in his chair with the. Which is priceless. Was yes. absolutely priceless. So it won me from that scene. And that seems like, you know, 25 minutes in. Uh, so I really, I like this movie a lot. This movie in my book is a nine out of 10. That makes it a winner in my book. Black Klansman is a film I would, I would recommend to pretty much anybody else to watch just because you can get a lot of context out of it. Uh -huh. I think where Spike Lee did did the best was the difference showing, you know, the the black power versus white power. And yeah. he he perfectly displayed the differences between them in an honest and true way. And if you have anybody who thinks that white power is something different than what is shown, then they don't know how racist they are. And if you have somebody who thinks that black power is something different than they've been that, 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 that what was shown, they don't know resilience. They don't know the struggle. You know what I'm saying? And so it's it's kind of an easy litmus test because if you didn't like the movie, well, what didn't you like about it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where does it hurt? In the tiny pee pee. But it's, this movie is is definitely a winner, and I think that uh, if you haven't watched it, definitely give it a watch. John David Washington is just downright entertaining the whole film long. Adam Driver's a great wingman. And then uh, Lauren Harrier, uh, who plays Patrice in there, was just also a great supporting actress. And I'd love to see more, more, more films with all three of them people in it. So I want to see more characters like her. <laughs> fair enough. Um, she should be that new Foxy Brown. That's all I'm saying. Which by the way they do talk about Foxy Brown. They that's talk a, about her. In the film. So because it was all the rage in the theater. The theater. Fair enough. Black Klansman. Uh, Black Klansman is Spike Lee's first Oscar win. Uh, win for best adapted screenplay. 
Um, it also was a nominee because of the fact that it actually had one of the longest names for a single word. Uh, with that, um, it is actually was uh, changed into 1001 movies to uh, see before you die as well. It was recently added to that as well. Now, uh, Tammy, um, I'm going to yes. bring it to you. What is your rating? I, I would, I would call this a winner. I, I think that this is a phenomenal movie. I love the way that it, it takes multiple concepts and discusses them in a way that's congruent with uh, current discussions and also stays true to lived experiences. Um, as somebody who's, you know, lived through some horrific racially motivated shit, uh, I, I did find a lot of discomfort in how frequently, uh, white people were throwing around the N word. It just, that's my own thing. That's my own somatic therapy session waiting to happen. Um, but I, I thought what was most interesting was how Felix's wife, Connie, um, is, is a, is a, in herself. A topic of discussion and Adam Driver's character in itself is a topic of discussion and everybody else anybody else that's like unpigmented is you know an irrefutable bastard <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's like I, I love those movies where it's like some people just cannot be reached they are in set in their own ways and here's a deconstruction of why they're the way they are and you know you can empathize without sympathizing you know yes. or sorry sympathize without empathizing yes. um i think i think it was a glorious movie i loved the the score i loved how some of the cuts made me feel like you know felix was calling ron while looking at ron it, that terrified me. So a movie that can make me laugh, scream, cry uh, is definitely with all the accolades that he is currently in possession of. Yes. <laughs> so um, one of the other things to also keep in mind, Topher Grace said in an interview with IndieWire that portraying David Duke left him feeling depressed. So as an act of like cauterizing, I guess that's the easy way to say it, he took on the project of editing Peter Jackson's trilogy of films based on The Hobbit into a single <laughs> two-hour movie. So this movie got him so depressed. He was like, you know what? I'm going to look at some other white people and some dwarfs. And, you know, we're going to take this 18-hour flow fucking film series and just cut it down to two hours. <laughs> it, it's just it's fantastic uh, how... It, it is a weight. It's supposed to be a weight on somebody. I, I, that's what I yeah. felt like it was supposed to be. When that movie ended, it was supposed to be a weight. I felt like when they put the uh, flag down, which apparently was supposed to be a sign of distress and the emphasis on that there's uh, chaos, basically, that's happening at hand. Um, I felt like that It also that shows movie... that men will do anything but go to therapy. Exactly. Weird <laughs> 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 way to metabolize that. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it says a lot. It's it's this movie. It says a lot, and I felt like uh, I don't know if we could did could have done this movie in less than uh, less than two hours of a review. Um, we you know? we kind of made it happen just now with an hour, but no. with that. Uh, I'm gonna finish out this last part. Uh, this movie did receive a six-minute um, standard ovation, and then finally, uh, this movie does not have any deleted scenes. Did anybody notice that? Yeah, it felt like it. Oh, it did not have those deleted scenes. 
If it didn't have deleted scenes, then there had to be some storyboards that they didn't use. Yeah, and I wonder right. what was on them storyboards because it, it, it could have only been crazier from there. But it really it seemed the film seemed awfully down to earth, and so yeah. it didn't get too crazy, it didn't get too conspiratorial, and it really kind of rested crazy. in that. Yeah, rested in a spot. Yeah. But I think that maybe it could have took five minutes off the film, no problem. Yes. And you know that that would have that was that would have replaced the five minutes at the end with all the Charlottesville marches and all that other stuff. Gotcha. So my rating is for this is it's a winner. Um, unlike what JT kind of said mm -hmm. earlier today, and I know that like uh, Tammy said, it was a little bit more traumatizing. My first part that I'm going to give the compliment is that. Use some racist speech. If this film is supposed to be a timepiece, white folks wasn't sitting there calling me Negro. They wasn't calling me Negro. They were calling me nigger. So you applaud the realism. I applaud the fucking reality of that. That's <laughs> what the fuck it was supposed to be. Um, I love the fact that the film also said toad. And it said a lot of other like slang words that meant specifically Yo, there's bad police officers. So my favorite scene actually was when you had Ryan Stallworth uh, when he was actually in the actual evidence lockup. And you seen him kept putting that paper in his mouth that he was like <laughs> flipping it up and then kind of going about his day. And then all of a sudden Landers walk in. He said, I have uh, another, uh, I need this evidence for this toad. Now Landers didn't even say specifically who the person was at all. Didn't give no context. And you might you see Ron go, I got people, I don't have no toads. And that's the that's I love the fact that like Ron spent the whole movie correcting. He corrected Patrice. I'm a cop, not a pig. You know, he a detective. I'm a detective, not a cop. Yeah, so he spent the movie correcting people on his identity. And I felt like he spent the whole movie kind of standing on his own ground. And I think you've seen that even more after the actual Kwame Torre uh, uh, speech that happened. Right. With that, I love this movie because of the fact that we spent a lot of this movie talking about little bits and pieces, not specific details of the film. So we could have talked about the bombing and how it was a kind of a twist that the bombing was, uh, she accidentally won a bomb it up and blowing up her husband. We could have talked about, um, like the shooting gallery where they had uh Adam Driver was a really oh, good sure. shooter. We could have talked about a yeah, lot of Yeah, he showed compassion for shooting targets and that really yeah. touched me. Yeah. So I love the film because of the fact that it has so many talking points that realistically like you can't watch this film without getting something new out of it. That's mm. I want to say that. And I feel like if you have a film like that, that is a that is a very impactful and a powerful film. So it makes sense why when I walked outside and I had to realize uh, I bought this movie when it first fucking came out, and I realized it was not in the garage, and I was pissed that it was chilling for an hour. Even called JT the next day. I know I got this goddamn movie. It makes sense why. Bruh, I, I can see why I was that angry because I think a part of me also realized I remember how fucking good this movie was and how much this movie had like hit a part point of it. So this was a definitely a winner. And this is actually the first episode where we had a unanimous decision. Do you realize that, JT? No. 
This ain't the first episode. This, this first episode a- where we and Tammy had the same. Yeah, sure. No, we never unanimously had the same like rating. Yeah, we have. We just had it like two weeks ago, bro. What was it? I don't know. Oh shit! I know. Oh, it was a dumpster <laughs> movie. It was a dumpster movie. It was uh, yeah, no, no, no. It was a dumpster movie. I do remember it. God damn, I remember the movie. It was your pick then. No, <laughs> it wasn't my pick. It wasn't my pick. It was Notebook. It was Notebook. We unanimously say that Notebook was a dumpster movie. We we did. We all said that that shit was a dumpster. I thought I remember you saying that that was a a, a slumper. I thought I remember you saying that was a slumper movie. Yeah, we, uh, we, you just said, "Oh, this is the first time we had a unanimous consent." Yeah, it was like it was the last two, three episodes, bro. Nah, I don't think so, man. We yeah, had yeah. unanimous. I'm gonna go back and. Re- I don't think we had unanimously before, uh, but that's okay. Yeah, sure. I think this was the first one. Look, but, all of these things start to blend together after two years. So yeah, it is us. <laughs> uh, with that, have uh, you guys covered Lean on Me? What you say? That movie is ass. Lean on Me, with um. With Morgan uh, Freeman. No. Morgan Freeman, yeah, playing the president. I don't believe in black history. Listen. I believe in American history. Uh, <laughs> that is a painful ass movie, dog. It was Listen. unironically my mother's favorite movie. I hate it here. <laughs> really? Oh no. Yo, oh, so you know things. you know FD signifier, right, Tammy? I do know FD signifier. Yeah. I follow well, I, him. I subscribe to Nebula. And uh, curiosity stream, not not that we're affiliated yet or have our links, but we should get that. That's one. A good. <laughs> but uh, so I watch FD Signifier stuff on there, and a um, buddy of mine sent out uh, an hour long video that he put on YouTube. That bitch was two hours on Nebula because he didn't have yeah. to edit it nearly as heavily. And so yeah. I got to hear a lot of his, you know, real opinions on some stuff about how Faircon allegedly, you know, had had nothing to. Uh, to to do with uh, uh, Malcolm X, but uh, he actually pointed. He actually talked about that video, "Lean on Me," in his latest, you know, outputting uh, about the the real faces of Black conservatism. Mm. And he talked about how basically that 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 principle was not universally well loved. How he was actually yeah. really a bastard who was kind of torturing people, and he got fired shortly after the setting of that movie. So, yeah, tell your mama that she loves some Hollywood. But I'm a, we going to talk about these adaptations a, right. at the end for The Voice of Reason. We're going to talk about this. And I hope that The Voice of Reason includes Michael B. Jordan, Tanahashi Coach, trying to make a black Superman when we got fucking Icon. Which, by the way, going into this, because uh, they just started the filming. Uh, Listen, hey, hold up. First off, first off, the reason they don't have an Icon film is because you got a script. So stop complaining about it. Man, I don't have a script. I don't have no fucking licensing. Excuse me, you got they a story, okay? I have a story, and story they didn't pick me. They didn't pick me. They picked. They picked ten other fucking people. So congratulations on DC for that one. You but with DC, just go talk to Tyler Perry. You'd be like, "Hey, dog, you want a Black Superman movie? It's called Stop Icon." It. Stop <laughs> it. I, 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 no. know I know you got to do. I know you got to meet him in an elevator somewhere. Be like, "Hey, Tyler Perry, didn't recognize you out of that Medea costume, but let me holler at you about this Icon film." Yeah, man. Like fucking Icon, dog. People forget about that shit so much. Let's holler at Spike Lee about some Icon, then. I don't know. I would. I would love to talk to Spike Lee about this fucking Icon movie. Having a having a black superhero who's a conservative, and his sidekick is super liberal. Oh my gosh! Like, that's hilarious. 
would have he, appealed to uh, us. Which, by the way, that's another fact about this. This movie was not believable at first to Spike Lee. Jordan Peele, if you notice, Jordan Peele is credited for producing this film. He pitched this movie to Spike Lee. <laughs> and they didn't of believe Of course that Jordan Peele would that. say, hey, man, let's make a movie about the time so this that is that actually a Blumhouse film. This is a Blumhouse film, man. So the crazy yeah. thing is, this is a horror movie. Uh, of course, the Blumhouse. Yeah. <laughs> With that, uh, Tammy, where can people find you, man? Um, you can find me on Instagram, on TikTok, under Teensier Sun. Um, I mostly make content regarding my comic, The Stars Among Us, that is releasing this month in June. Um, and yeah, uh, I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, I also work as an activist and uh, it, here in Washington State, and I have lots of historical and also somatic therapy resources if anybody's looking for them. Gotcha. Awesome sauce, awesome sauce, awesome sauce. Awesome All right, JT, where can people find you? You can find me if you got my number. Call me up. Go <laughs> no, follow me on Instagram at call JT is underscore voice, and hopefully I'll post something this year. Okay, and look up History W, uh, wherever you got your social media from. Uh, you can look at uh, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Um, can't wait till September comes out. We're going to be doing some Mortal Kombat tournaments again. And also, you can check out us. And if you have any questions at all, if you want to holler at us and give us some movie ideas, uh, email us at theanarrativemedia at gmail.com. That is, again, theanarrativemedia at gmail.com. Check us out over there. Tell us some movie suggestions that you have for um, our blockbuster month that comes in July and August. And now, you can also check out our podcast, HVFE, All Historical Voices from the East Side Podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your audio acoustical pleasures from. So make sure you check us out. Make sure you like and subscribe on uh, YouTube as well as also um, on Spotify as well. Give us some ratings on that, man. If the more and more you rate, the more that you actually uh, like and subscribe, it does actually help the channel grow a little bit better. Share with your friends. Tell them, hey, I like these random black folks that be talking about um some movies and there are our official blur council when somebody said that we need therapy check me out on thursdays at 10 15 p.m on eastern holla at these three black guys with that we finish out this week with uh a little bit more positivity we we have a lot of stuff going on we have a lot of chaos we watch films that sometimes traumatize us and sometimes that feels like torture porn sometimes i, I will give that to you but sometimes we need a Prince song at the very end. And that Prince song is our only piece, our only voice of reason. So we turn to the voice of reason with JT. JT, give it to us. What is our voice of reason? You don't this have to be rich. Nah, I mean. There <laughs> you go. Don't have to be rich. <laughs> this is a solo, Tammy. Solo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a backup singer only. <laughs> all right, all right. So listen, this week, The Voice of Reason, I want to talk to you about faithful adaptations. So one of the things that uh, always stuck with me, I didn't get to go watch a whole lot of movies all willy-nilly because my parents were very concerned that the things that I see were based in reality. And they wanted me as a kid to not, to not basically get ahead in the clouds about how Hollywood portrays life. And so, you know, if we watched something like Lean On Me, you know, my mom might have looked this guy up in the encyclopedia and then talked to me about that afterwards. 
times. But one of the things that we always did after a movie is we talked about the difference between Hollywood and history. And the reason that's important is because a faithful adaptation is what I seek in my movies. This is the, the number one thing that I want to see. Did you take that, that source material and copy and paste? I want to go see that film because most source material out there does not need to be tampered with too much. There are some exceptions like the boys, but you know, other than that, having a faithful adaptation really matters. Uh, one of the reasons that Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings were so good is because they were almost as faithful as one can get in the cinema, you know, with a few exceptions, of course, that any Lord of the Rings nerd will be very happy to tear down those films. for you. But when you talk about faithful adaptations, one of the most faithful adaptations is the Bible, as proved by the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, a friggin' 3 BCE uh, finding. And so what they found when they looked at these things is the manuscripts were exactly the same as what was written down. And so we didn't lose, you know, translation in the in the bible of, of of later versions that's really important because that means that whoever wrote it originally we got the same message across time we don't get the same thing when it comes to hollywood what we get in hollywood is adaptations and when you look at black klansman it says based on a crazy true story that's what it says on the poster but the problem is the based on part. The based on means that now we can take liberties like adding Patrice, a completely non-existent woman who didn't actually matter, and we'll just put her in a film because she represents some other trials, struggles, strong black women, yada, yada, yada. And ideals, yeah. Yes. And so we get this a lot in Hollywood films where an attitude is embodied, a line of thought is embodied into a particular character who did not really exist. Or, for instance, in Hidden Figures, you take a bunch of different characters and you put them into one person. And they are the obstacle or adversary or, or the help that comes by and makes things actually run. But really what I'm looking for is a faithful adaptation. You know what unfaithful adaptations get you? The KKK worshiping Jesus. I really wonder how many unfaithful adaptations of my Jesus are floating out there right now. Because it makes me sick to know that these people think that they serve the same God that died for me and looks way closer to my shade than theirs. So this week, I want you to go find some faithful adaptations. And if you can faithfully adapt your life with the lives of those around you, you're going to find a really good community. Thanks for watching. Whoop, whoop.